Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. So glad you're here today with me. And I pray God's grace and peace be unto you. Uh, there's a few things that are on my mind uh, this week. I just kind of wanted to share with you. Uh, the main thing I want to cover is the controversy over the Super Bowl commercial, uh, He Gets Us. But I have other news I also want to cover. Uh, as I've been sharing with you along the way, um, I'm at a stage of life getting up there in years and just seeing, you know, the faithfulness of God like over a lifetime. And one of the surprising things that have happened uh, in my latter years, uh, you know, there's been a film, uh, feature film loosely based on our life and ministry called Voiceless. And I've also had a couple of opportunities to act uh, in a couple of feature films. And uh, what's very interesting about that, you know, that was my, my chosen career. I mean, there wasn't a monk more dedicated to a monastery than I was uh, to the acting profession. I mean, I went after it hard. You know, I was working you know, like 18 hours a day, seven days a week, um, and really hitting the performing arts from every possible angle, you know, acting, drama, classical, Shakespeare, comedy, tragedy, uh, dance, modern dance, ballet, jazz, uh, mime, pantomime, clowning, juggling. Uh, if it had anything to do with the performing arts, I was all in. And I was determined. I mean, from the, <laughs> from the bottom of my soles to the tippy top of my head, I was determined I was going to beat Hollywood, that I was going to make it. And I, I put a lot of effort into perfecting my craft. And I, 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 the Lord really did bless me. I, I, I was gifted. I, I, I definitely had uh, talents in those areas. Uh, the first play I ever did in college, I won Best Actor of the Year Award. And, uh, you know, I got discovered by a manager in Columbia Pictures doing the, the play West Side Story. And uh, it just there's so much to this background uh, when it comes to acting and my goal, uh, you know, to seek fame and fortune in Hollywood. And what I did not know, I was up against the Almighty. Now, it was His will that I uh, train to be an actor. Uh, 
because when I went to Hollywood, I had a speech impediment and uh, my, my mind was so active. It was so racing. You know, thoughts came to me like machine gun bullets and I would trip over my tongue to try to keep up with my mind. And God did use uh, the acting training to help me to articulate, to use my diaphragm, because, you know, ultimately he was calling me to be a preacher of the gospel of the kingdom. Well, of course, that wasn't on my radar. Uh, I knew the Lord. He had saved me. Uh, but he was Savior, and I was still Lord. So I figured he exists to bless my acting career. And, of course, he had a contention with that. We fought. Well, and you know who has won. But in saying all that, you know, God is really, really good. He he knew when I was a young man, that was a serious desire of my heart. Like it was huge. Uh, I worked really, really hard uh, to try to make it uh, in Hollywood. I mean, I, I, I was putting in my dues. I can, I can tell you that. Uh, it, it was, uh, I was seriously motivated and driven, uh, to be successful, uh, in acting. And so anyway, you know, obviously God had called me to die to that, leave it all behind and serve him. And gratefully he fought for my soul and he did take me to the woodshed and he did discipline me. And it literally did come to my death. And that's another story altogether. But God was so serious about me surrendering this idol to him that he literally did uh, come and let me know he had the power to take me out anytime he wanted to. And uh, as a result, two great revelations came to me. A, I got the fear of God, and then I thought it was a really good idea to go full-time into the ministry. So anyway, brothers and sisters, I'm just laying all that out to let you know that uh, in my latter years, for whatever reason, you know, when I don't care about it anymore, um, God is allowing me to do a little bit of acting, which is so interesting. And that says a lot about God and less about me. Just, you know, just as my heavenly father, you know, because when I wanted it the most, I was putting it before God. Now that I don't give a rip about it, it's like, okay, um, I knew that once was the desire of your heart. So here you go, son, you can participate a little bit uh, in that chosen field. What's interesting, though, uh, the roles that are coming in or have come in, you know, it was all, you know, gospel centered, uh, you know, dealing with the burning issues of the day. And I have another opportunity. Um, there's a, a filmmaker. Um, we, we go back a long way and uh, he's already done one film called The Reliant. And uh, he's working on a new feature film called Oberlin. And this is a true story. It's, it's set uh, three years before the Civil War broke out. 
Uh, it's in Oberlin, Ohio, and apparently there was a college, a liberal arts college, and they made history uh, in the United States of America. It was the first college to accept women and free blacks uh, to participate in education. And uh, what had happened, you know, the federal government with the uh, Dred Scott decision and the, you know, the Fugitive Slave Act, they went after slaves that ran away from slavery and went to, you know, free places like Oberlin and the feds would track them down, uh, capture them and force them back to the plantations, to slavery. And what had happened in Oberlin, there was a free black man um, who kind of rallied the entire city of Oberlin to rise up with force, if necessary, to free uh, blacks who were captured by the feds and bring them back safely to Oberlin. And uh, it, this, this is true story. Uh, it happened in history. And what it brings out is what we have been preaching and ministering for a long time now, the two major doctrines, which is interposition and the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Well, as the Lord will have it, and I don't know if I'm going to be in the feature film or not, that's up to the Lord, but I do get the opportunity to play the sheriff uh, at Oberlin. And uh, it's <laughs> and and this guy, you know, he's he's a good old boy, you know. He's a sheriff. He's you know, whiskey drinking, cigar smoking, gravelly kind of ornery kind of guy. Um, and he he's basically compelled by these issues where he he knows what's at stake. He he knows like he can he could. Well, he, a lot of things could happen. He could die. He could go to federal prison. He could lose his career. It could destroy his family. But in light of all the swirling circumstances and the pressure, uh, he's basically compelled to rise up and do his duty uh, as a lesser magistrate and help free uh, these blacks from the federal marshals and it's a you know it's a powerful true story and and what's interesting about that is that's exactly the example you know you know this film is going to you know prayerfully be used by God to be an example to the lesser magistrate today in our current distress where our federal government is out of control where they have set up this two-tier system of justice and use federal agencies to go after their political enemies and so like what we're seeing with Texas and with governor you know Greg Abbott securing the border against the feds you know and their desire to keep that border open it's, it's like an insane situation uh, that's going on and we're seeing more and more the 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 value and the need 
for the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. So this weekend, brothers and sisters, uh, you know, by the time you, you hear this, I'm going to be back. But, um, and again, I don't know, you know, I know we're going to do the trailer. God only knows if I'll be cast in the role of the sheriff. That's that's in the, the Lord's hands. Uh, stuff like that, I kind of hold on to loosely. Plus, you know, with a large family, you know, starting a church, starting a school, the podcast and missionary work, it's not like I need another thing to do um, with, you know, serving the Lord. But I just thought, you know, God's, God is just, he's, he's just good and, and he's mindful. He's mindful of us. You know, the psalmist talks about, you know, the thoughts towards us are, are countless. And it's, it's an amazing that the God that created the heavens and the earth would even, first of all, be mindful of us, little specks of dust on this planet, but that he has countless thoughts towards us. And, and you know, he knows our comings and our goings, our sitting down. He knows our thoughts from afar. He is always present. And, you know, he knew that this was a huge, you know, desire of my heart. And um, he's just letting me in my latter, you know, stage of life. He's allowing me to kind of participate a little bit. So, you know, praise be to God. So uh, if you could just keep that in your prayers, brothers and sisters, um, about these possibilities and now I kind of want to change gears here a little bit and talk about the controversy at the Super Bowl. And of course, every year, you know, there's controversy at the Super Bowl. And it typically centers around um, how, you know, the political correctness, you know, kneeling when they should be standing for the national anthem and and now they got a, a another anthem, you know, the black anthem, you know, the woke anthem um, that people are just like, you know what? Stop. Stop. You know, it doesn't make a difference if you're black and white. You know, you, there's, there's one anthem. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's it's so crazy what's going on. And, and then, of course, you have the overt uh, uh, performances that are, you know, just satanic. I mean, just satanic to its core, you know, people are cheering and, you know, all kinds of weirdness, you know, that the NFL has been so warped and politicized for so long, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, people still enjoy the game, you know, it's a big deal. And, you know, those guys put in a lot of effort, you know, during the season, take a lot of bangs and bruises and you know, they sacrifice, you know, obviously, um, get paid very well in doing so, by the way. Um, but the point being, it, there's always, um, you know, controversy surrounding it. And then, of course, you have the commercials, the ads, and that's taken on a life of its own. Like, as the years go on, and I looked it up, I mean, people pay... An incredible amount of money for, you know, a 30-second, 60-second uh, message. We're talking upwards of 7 to $8 million a pop. I mean, that's incredible. And at the same time, you know, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, TV doesn't influence us, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I can handle it, you know. Well, 
you know, obviously people ain't going to invest eight, you know, eight million dollars in a 60 second commercial if they don't think it has influence upon people, you know. So anyway, just incredible. I mean, it's an incredible amount of money that goes in, not just to the Super Bowl, but the ads and the commercials. Well, you know, there was one specific commercial and it did strike some controversy. And it's been going on for quite some time. It's this campaign called He Gets Us. And uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, and it does kind of tweak you, uh, whether you're a Christian or not. Uh, it is provoking uh, in a sense. Um, but on this occasion, on the Super Bowl, uh, you literally had um, the folks behind it um, like show different pictures. Now, I don't, you know, it's hard to judge motive, right? You can't look into people's souls and judge what they're doing or why they're doing but we are to be like fruit inspectors. We can judge people's actions. You know, one of the big no-nos of this era of the idol of tolerance is we're not supposed to judge. Well, you know, they'll take judge not, you know, out of context and, um, and use it to shoot you down if you make any moral judgment on what's going on in the world, you know what I mean? But Jesus said, not if you judge, but when you judge, just make sure it's a righteous judgment. And so, you know, in one sense, uh, those responsible, it seemed like they definitely desired to insert Jesus, you know, into our national conversation. So far, so good. But what's interesting is they took the most polarizing political, moral, and spiritual issues that divided us just to let the masses know Jesus gets us and that Jesus did not teach hate. Well, there's some, well, obviously that there's truth there. He's the all-knowing God. And, you know, you read again, you know, I was quoting from Psalm 139. Well, obviously, he knows us through and through. He, 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 he knew us before we were born. And he's already been at the last breath of our body uh, in this world. And he's treating us according to his all-knowing knowledge. You know, he gets us for sure. And, and he did warn about anger and hatred. And he said, you know, if we're... If we're angry with somebody, um, you know, we, we could be guilty of having murder in our heart. And, um, and of course, no murderer has eternal life. Um, and of course, they're emphasizing the love of God. Now, understand, God is love. It's not something he, he does per se, I mean, he shows love, but he is love. I mean, he is the personification. He is the person of love. But at the same time, um, God hates. 
Um, it's clear biblically, and that's why, you know, there's always divine tension in the scriptures, brothers and sisters. I don't know if you noticed that. You know, you, you name it, you know, the battle between Calvinism, Arminianism, the battle between law and, and grace and truth and spirit and you, 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 any, you know, theological battle, you know, there's a divine tension. Well, God is love. Well, this God of love also hates. Uh, it's clear the Bible teaches that, right? Um, you know, Jesus said, you know, you had to hate your parents and even hate your own life if you're going to be his disciples, right? Uh, he's like, he's, he's, he's actually calling us to hate some things, including ourselves, right? And you know what? The older I get, I get it. I, you know, I, I, I do. I, I, I hate this world. I hate what sin does to, you know, people and, and the suffering and, you know, I, I get why we should hate even our own lives. You know, it's uh, it takes its toll. There's, there's no doubt about it. And, and of course, uh, you know, there's there's just the what Jesus taught about hate. There's and again, there's the whole counsel of God, you know, when it comes to these issues. And we know something about our Lord that he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. And the scripture says, because he did those two things, he was anointed above his fellows, right? So listen, if you want to be anointed of the Holy Spirit, well, you follow the example of the Lord. He loves righteousness and he hates iniquity. But I think what these people behind the commercial was was seeking to communicate was our Lord's admonishment. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And, and again, I, I don't know their motive, uh, but I, just as a thinking Christian, I, I'm, I'm probably guessing that's what they were shooting for. Uh, you know, showing good to those who hate you because, you know, you had pictures of homosexuals, you know, and priests washing their feet. You had abortion workers and moms killing their babies and people washing their feet, you know. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm thinking that's what they're trying to pull off, right? But again, and, 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 and I get this, brothers and sisters, they only had like a couple of seconds, right? They only have a couple of seconds to try to communicate a message, right? Um, and so I do understand that. But, you know, when I looked at the commercial, there was enough truth to kind of draw you in. But there really, the way that it was presented, there was not enough time to complete, I guess, what they were trying to communicate. So there was a distortion. There was a there was an impression made that didn't sit well with a lot of people, right? And so, again, when it comes to the scripture, you know, God is love, and 
But at the same time, you know, he hates. And, and we can find some overt statements in the scriptures. Probably the most famous one uh, is found in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. And the scriptures teach this. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, right? And that was like one of the major features, right? There, there's an abortion mill, the lady sitting on a curb with her feet in the pan. Um, and there, this is a place that sheds innocent blood. And the Bible tells us that God hates this. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and the one who sows discord among brethren. So, you know, there's probably other things, obviously, that God hates, but those are the seven stated in Scripture. And, and when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, the Bible admonishes us, if you love the Lord, we're supposed to hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 states, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Uh, I have a good friend, Pastor John Speed. Um, <laughs> he changed the uh, picture uh, with the woman sitting, getting her feet washed at the abortion mill. So instead of having water uh, surrounding the pan, it was blood. And, uh, you know, and the, and the thing of it is, we, we, we do have to understand, you know, Jesus didn't wash everybody's feet. Yes, he did wash uh, the feet of his disciples, you know, but it, it wasn't to wink at their sin or to enable them in sin. It was to wash them from their sin. And to provide an example of serving one another. Uh, somebody I just saw on Facebook, I think it was Pastor Driscoll, somebody said, yeah, he washed the feet of Judas, but he also sent him to hell, right? I mean, and that's, no, that's the truth of the matter, you know. And uh, what John Speed said when it came to the murder of the preborn, that Jesus did not recommend a foot washing. He, he recommended or warned that a millstone be tied about your neck and you be cast into the sea if you don't repent. And so again, I know they had a little time to try to communicate the message of Christ. And of course, you have the other side, you know, and I'm not, and some of these are real Christians. You know, and, you know, they're very strong on the love and the mercy and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, as we all should be. And they're this thinking, well, you guys are like, you know, being too religious if you're not getting the message. You know, you're kind of like the same spirit that crucified the Lord, you know, because, you know, he hung with tax collectors and harlots and, uh, you know, and yeah, he did. 
Because he said he didn't come for the righteous, he came for the sick. You know, he sweet Dr. Jesus. But he didn't become them. And he certainly didn't leave the impression that he was going to enable them in his sin. No, he was calling them to repentance, right? And so here, here's the, you know, when I was watching the commercial and, and was really trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, again, I was sort of left with the impression that, you know, they're presenting a Jesus that sort of winks at sin. Like he loves us so much that, you know, what was kind of communicated was he kind of condones or approves or supports evildoers in their wicked state. And, and I do get it, brothers and sisters. Like Jesus does accept us as we are, right? We come to him in our evil, sinful, wicked state. Uh, but obviously, what he went through, that brutal crucifixion, and then gloriously rising from the dead three days later, he certainly doesn't want to leave us in that state, and he certainly doesn't want to enable us in that state because Christ not only you know brings forgiveness of sin but by the truth of his word by the anointing of his spirit by the grace of God he breaks the power of sin in fact the scripture tells us that one of the treasures of being a true born-again child of God is he gives us the grace to say no to say no to temptation, to say no to sin, right? To say no to our lustful appetites and demands. And, you know, if you're a true born again, a child of God, you've been justified. And right now we're all going through sanctification where we're fighting that battle, right? We're putting the deeds of the, the, the deeds of the old man to death, right? And, and walking in newness of life that Christ has provided for us. So quite honestly, brothers and sisters, I sort of was, you know, I'm questioning the spirit behind this commercial. Because honestly, it looked more like the spirit of the age rather than the Holy Spirit. Now, why do I say that? Because the Holy Spirit was sent to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And uh, I, I wrote a little post about this, and uh, I, I kind of concluded with this admonishment from Scripture. This is from Acts 17, 30-31. This is where Paul is in Greece, uh, and Athens, and Mars Hill, and he, he is stirred right he is seeing all kinds of idolatry and quite honestly he's he, he's he's going through some righteous indignation you know what is going on at these places and the pantheon of the gods and the 
And he used that, that, that setting to present the gospel of the kingdom. And so he, he says these words, truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, Jesus, whom he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to us all by raising him from the dead. And uh, what's, what's interesting about that, brothers and sisters, when I gave these posts, one guy said, listen, they could have resolved all this controversy if they would just included our Lord's admonishment to those involved in wicked, evil, sin behavior, go and sin no more. In other words, if God's people are going to humble and wash your feet and love you and care for you, then, of course, we want, we want you to be saved. And that means you, you need to repent. That means, you know, you need to put your faith in trust in Christ. And of course, Jesus himself said, go and sin no more. Well, that, that was not what was communicated in the He Gets Us campaign. And it was just kind of left open-ended that basically um, you can stay in your state and the church is just going to be there just washing your feet. Well, obviously, that's not the true gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there's this like great quote uh, from J.C. Ryle. And I, and I think he, he kind of nails it when it really comes to this controversy. This is what he said. He said, beware of manufacturing a God of your own, a God who is all mercy, but not just a God who is all love, but not holy a God who has a heaven for everybody, but a hell for none, a God who can allow good and bad to be side by side in time. And boy, we certainly saw that in those commercials, right? But we'll make no distinction between good and bad in eternity. Now, again, brothers and sisters, I get it. They had a short amount of time. They spent a lot of money, obviously, to insert Jesus into our national conversation. But what impression did it leave? And what Jesus are they communicating? You know, because the Bible tells us and Apostle Paul, he, he told us there is another Jesus. There is another gospel. And there is another spirit. And it's not authentic. It's not biblical. It's not true. It is a counterfeit. And so again, I, I, I know we, we're negotiating through you know, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God. But a God is also holy and just who can get angry 
who can display wrath, right? And, you know, as, as Christians, we are obligated, like the Apostle Paul, to the best of our ability to present the whole counsel of God because we don't want the blood of people on our hands, right? That's what the Apostle Paul was declaring in the book of Acts. And so again, brothers and sisters, I know it's controversial and, you know, and there are some good things that have come from it. it, it if their purpose was to start the conversation, well, it's on. <laughs> There's all kinds of dialogue back and forth, you know, going on. Um, and, and prayerfully, the Lord will use that um, to, you know, present the truth in love, right? So that people can come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, he gets us. He sure does. And uh, he knows our hearts. <laughs> and uh, the Bible tells us that, yeah, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. You know, who, who can know it, right? Because we're always going to, you know, put our bait best face forward meanwhile we're dying inside and going crazy <laughs> you know and that's why we need the spiritual surgery that's why we need the gospel that's why we need the lord to go into our heart and take out that stony heart of flesh i mean stony heart of rebellion and give us a heart of flesh you know to give us the desire to love god and to obey him and and to keep his word. Amen. So brothers and sisters, that's it for today. And as usual, um, you keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name. God bless you. Till next time.